Welcome to the Musician's Venture Podcast. This is a podcast focused on lessons learned from musicians' backstories, as well as from building successful careers in the music business. My name is Nick O'Brien, and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events that Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. On occasion, I'll be joined by Allison M., the founder of Wisconsin Music Ventures, as she and I will dive into topics relevant to the music industry. So let's get down to business. Welcome to this episode of the Musicians Venture Podcast. Today, I am joined by Greg Kramer, who is the front man or, or is the, the boss man, as, as the bio states, of the Extra Crispy Brass Band. Um, Wisconsin Music Ventures learned about uh, Extra Crispy Brass Band uh, via their uh, their upcoming gig uh, with music or at music on the beer line. It's a it's a music series that the um, Riverworks uh, 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 Development Corporation is putting on, and um, and there's been four 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 nights already or three nights already, uh, and and on Friday September 16th, Extra Crispy Brass Band will be one of the two bands that play at that. Uh, at that series. So, Greg, thanks for coming on the show with me today. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, Greg is the front man of the Extra Crispy Brass Band. And, uh, you know, they have a few different monikers. Sometimes they go by the EC Brass Band or ECBB. Uh, but it is a New Orleans style brass band with music inspired by the great contemporary bands such as the Dirty Dozen, Hot Eight. Rebirth, New Birth brass bands, as well as traditional outfits like the Olympia and the Mahogany brass bands. The EC brass bands rep- repertoire includes pieces from the turn of the last century with traditionals by Louis Armstrong and Sidney Bechet, modern funk tunes, and originals. Uh, they played their first show way back on September 1st of 2011 at the venerable Uptowner in Riverwest, Milwaukee, um, and has since played a slew of high-profile gigs at Bastille Days, Turner, Turner Hall, um, Bernhardt's Fest, Cathedral Square, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, they, they, for a while, held down a bi-weekly residency at the Uptowner for a year and a half that became a favorite uh, event for music lovers and swing dancers alike. Um, and in 2014, ECBB won a whammy uh, for best horn big or uh, best ha- horn band big band of, of 2014, and who I have with me now, as I've mentioned, is the band leader, the vocalist, the trombonist, um, Greg Kramer. He formed the band because, well, quite frankly, he missed New Orleans. A resident uh, of the Crescent City in the 1990s, Greg moved north in 1999 and looked for the Milwaukee version. And one day, riding in his bike uh, past Shank Hall, he heard the sounds of Mama Dig Down's brass band, and he was inspired by that amazing uh, sound to form his own band and to learn trombone. So that is uh, a, a look at Extra Crispy Brass Band and the front man, Greg Kramer. Greg, so here we are. You guys are preparing for a show, uh, you know, in a couple Friday nights from now. Um, but how do we get here? Let's go back to the to the old days and 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 kind of dive into you know when you were introduced to music and just what that experience was like, and then 
what was the inspiration or the influence that kind of got you to to pick up your first instrument or or what what happened after you became so uh drawn to music uh, at whatever point in your life that 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 was well going back as far as possible i remember my mother taking me to her vocal group uh rehearsals so they had this four part harmony type of vocal group my mom had an amazing voice and she comes from a very musical family. My two uncles were both um, jazz trombone players from um, Chicago, Illinois. So Tom Mulvihill and Jerry Mulvihill, Jerry was quite accomplished. And so there was always music around me when I was growing up. My folks had albums. My mom was always singing. Um, and so I remember, I mean, that was probably the only time I was ever calm when I was a kid was, 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 was listening to my mom sing. I was kind of captivated by that, you know, and then I was uh, elementary school drums, right? I think fifth or sixth grade drum lessons, love the drums. All my brothers and sisters got piano lessons, but I was deemed too hyperactive, I think, to ever, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to ever, uh, you know, inflict piano lessons upon. So I started out on drums. I loved it. Um, I've always played kind of on my own. My brother also, my older brother was a big uh, like inspiration and guide for me. He's very musical. He's a great musician too. Guitar player, used to play sax. So kind of this, I guess, uh, musical family. And then in high school, we formed our first garage bands, uh, garage bands, punk bands. We were listening to The Clash. We were listening to Jimi Hendrix, um, The Replacements, stuff like that. So, you know, I think senior year in high school, um, you know, getting together in my garage with my buddies. One of them, Tom Gatowski, lives in River West. And that's the reason I actually moved to Milwaukee instead of Chicago. I'm sure we'll get to that. That comes after New Orleans. But um, yeah, you know, uh, in college, playing in blues bands and funk bands and just always playing ever since high school. I've always played. I've always had a band. I think when I moved up here, I was like, I'm going to become a serious adult now because, you know, got married, a child, a child on the way. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, that music stuff, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's for, um, you know, that's for non-adults or something like that. And of course, within, you know, a couple months of moving up here, I had met people and I started playing all, and, you know, all during uh, grad school and stuff like that, my advisor said, you know, you better stop playing music. Uh, but I always did it on the down low, never let them know. So I never really quit. And I've just always been playing since I've been about 14 or 15, I guess. Can you explain um, just kind of like what's the what's the feeling? There's something that draws you to it that you you had so many people tell you, even yourself tell you that you probably shouldn't be spending time on it. But there's this resistance. Where's that coming from? Yeah, I think like, you know, that's what I love to do most in life, I believe, is to play music. I mean, you know, what are my priorities? Obviously, my family. Right. Beyond that. um, I'll, you know, my favorite thing to do is, is to play music. I, I, I like to travel and stuff like that, like everybody else does. But I think the one thing that I really love to do is to play music. Um, and so that's always just been a, a constant, you know, as, as far back as I can remember, I just love to do it. So somebody telling me that I shouldn't do it, that's just, uh, I, you know, I, <laughs> I've never paid that too much mind. So yeah, never really stuck, huh? So how, w- at what point did you start getting into kind of like the business side of, of music? Because it's, it's one thing to just play, um, but but to, to have it actually um, uh, 
you know, compensate you uh, for the time that you're putting into it, not just like performing, but also practicing and, and promoting and things like that. What, what, uh, at what point in your, your, your music career journey, did you, did you start to understand the necessity of, of, of having to make a business out of this? Yeah. You know, that's part of the, the necessity of it. I guess you could call it a necessary evil. Like I never mind practicing, uh, like right now doing my scales on trombone or playing some guitar. I never mind doing that. I never mind listening to music because as we always say, listening is practicing, right? The, mu- the the business part is a necessary evil. I don't really enjoy it. Um, I just do it because it keeps the gigs coming and playing live music is, as I said, one of the things that we enjoy the most. And brass band music is definitely a live medium. You know, it is not a studio medium. And when we record, we pretty much record live in the studio. So playing live is the best thing. So, you know, fielding the phone calls, fielding the emails, getting back to people, making sure I have a full band for every single gig, you know, um, because, you know, having professional musicians in the band, some of those guys play in like nine different bands, right? So we got to pay attention to all the calendars, make sure everything is all lined up. So I don't enjoy that. I just view it as kind of a necessary step to be able to play live so i don't know you know i'm how many band leaders do enjoy that i don't know it's kind of a necessary evil um it just kind of goes with the territory i guess of just being an independent band in milwaukee right i mean we've had uh people approach us to manage us and we we don't want that you know we don't want that we don't want to get plugged into a certain slate of gigs or whatever we just want to be independent and so that's how we've always been gotcha are you the type of person that you know, when there's something that maybe you don't you don't like to do or you need to learn some more about so that it becomes easier, more effective, that you just kind of, uh, you know, roll your sleeves up and figure it out yourself? Or or have you relied on others or, you know, YouTube or Google or whatever um, to kind of better inform some of the, the, the stuff you have to do in that necessary evil part of the of the of the music world? You know, the necessary stuff is not all that difficult. It's just time consuming. Right. So there's nothing. That, I mean. I guess, you know, one thing when you, when you play the big festival gigs, you get W9s and you get, you know, get stuff like that. So I guess like untangling all that stuff and learning how to do all the taxes for, for all the stuff, you know, and like reporting people, that's very, you know, that's something I was like, oh my God, huh? Well, here goes, you know, and like, you just learn how to do it. And like, you're making all the copies. And for, for a while, when my daughters were younger, I would have them, I would like pay them and like help, help them, uh, have them help me assemble all the paperwork and stuff like that, you know? So um, that went away with COVID. That was probably the only good thing that went away with COVID. I didn't have to mess with that stuff anymore, but uh, I'll be back at it this January, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, d- despite maybe not liking it so much, you seem to have a pretty good attitude about it. Yeah, so. it's, just, it's just part of the territory, I guess. So, you know, a- absolutely. So, so you were down in New Orleans for a while. Um, and, and take me through like w- the decision to to come to to Wisconsin and and what was that what sure. why and how did you make that decision because you said you kind of considered Chicago as well right well I was kicked out of New Orleans but we'll get to that in a minute um, okay <laughs> I say that in jest but I'll talk about that so uh, yeah you know I played all through college uh, blues bands funk bands and then I moved to Colorado after college was in ski towns. We played in bands there. Then I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I was, was kicking around trying to play music. And then my friend was coming down from uh, Colorado. He, hey, we're going to Mardi Gras. And I'm like, sure, why not? I'll go to Mardi Gras. And like, 
This would have been what, 93, 92, whatever. Uh, you know, the minute I stepped into that town, like you got out of the car and it's like, there's music everywhere. And I, I was I, at that point, you know, I like, what was I into? Probably like, um, you know, Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys, a lot of early Johnny Cash, of course, all the rock and roll and the punk and the rockabilly. Uh, not so much versed in jazz, but having seen like, I remember seeing the Dirty Dozen in Burlington, Vermont in like 1989. And I was very, very intrigued, right? Uh, and so, you know, you get out of the car and I'm like, oh my goodness and so like i resolved to move there as fast as possible so i went back to albuquerque took a detour through new york city it was there for a summer and then came down i think in 93 to new orleans and you know um ended up buying a house there i was there for about six years and it was great i, I learned a lot that's where i got my musical education and i was still playing guitar then and a little bit of stand-up bass no horn yet whatsoever um and playing in like rockabilly and very roots rock um you know even swing type stuff on the guitar met a lot of great people i learned a ton and um really got a great education and even though i wasn't playing brass band music i became a big follower of that so like i worked at this place called giacomo's it's on oak street right next door to the maple leaf and every tuesday the rebirth brass band would be playing at the maple leaf and this was man that was their prime i think they were just they were just hitting their stride and they were such a powerful band so i was i'm a huge fan of the rebirth still and then we'd go down to Donna's Bar and Grill on Rampart Street down there on the edge of the quarter, and they would have like this barbecue every Sunday, and they would have brass bands at like a two o'clock on a Sunday. So, I mean, you know, doing that, going to the Second Line Parades, going to Super Sunday, all that type of stuff. I was a huge fan of the brass bands, and that's what really got me sort of into jazz, traditional jazz. Um, so... You know, it was a great musical education. It's amazing. You have these world-class musicians in New Orleans, and they're just getting by. They're getting by. They're just barely getting by, right? These people that are amazing. And here am I, some, I call myself, you know, a musical car carpetbagger, whatever. I'm down there and I'm learning, you know, I'm learning. I just, le you, you learn the trade, you know, you play in the little dive bars. We play in the hi-ho lounge. We played uh, the mermaid all the time. Um, and, you know, you just learn how to do it. You know, you learn how to do it. And um, so I, I, it's just got such a great education and, um, you know, absorbing this ethos of, you listen as much as possible. You pick you pick up stuff by ear, which is really, I think, the way that the the jazz and the brass band tradition kind of gets transmitted, right? Sure, there's reading musicians and stuff, but a lot of it is, you know, you soak up the tradition. You listen as much as possible. You try to learn by ear, and so that's kind of where I learned these sort of approaches, right? Yeah, so you know, there I was, ninety nine, and so what happens? I I, I jested about getting kicked out of New Orleans, but something happened in my life, and um. Well, so I met my wife, my wife now, and uh, we kind of moved, moved out of New Orleans um, to be closer to my folks, I guess, because um, she, our oldest daughter, uh, my, my stepdaughter, Zashari Torres, uh, she was already two. And then we had Rosie, my oldest, on the way. And so we're like, let's move up. All my family's in Crystal Lake, Illinois, now Chicago, Illinois. Um, you know, so brothers and sisters, everybody was still up here. They've since moved around, but like being closer to a, um, you know, the, the safety net, right? Your family. 
Um, and so uh, that's how I, we kind of, that was 99, I guess it would have been something like that. Um, moving up to Milwaukee, it was going to be Chicago because uh, my wife's from Honduras. We wanted a very diverse type of urban neighborhood. And uh, it was just by happenstance, we came up um, to my, um, my niece, uh, my cousin's graduation from Marquette visited my buddy, Tom Gutowski. He lives on Wheel Street. And I uh, was like, holy cow, why are we moving to Chicago? So that we moved, we just decided uh, that it would be a lot more family friendly, an easier town to get around in Milwaukee. And uh, we've, yeah, we've loved it here. We really have. So that's how we ended up here, you know? <laughs> Great. So yeah, I mean, it seems like you've enjoyed uh, the decision that you've made to, uh, to come and live in Milwaukee. Uh, you, you talked about how it's a, just a great city. Um, tell me about your perspective on Milwaukee's music scene. Um, because, I mean, as a, as a live music lover myself, I think this city punches above its weight uh, in terms of music talent. Um, but you're helping introduce me to a whole nother, like, kind of, like, section of the local, you know, music scene with, with brass bands um are, are are do does extra crispy brass brand like stand out uh as kind of you know like one of the only or is there a pretty good like circuit of brass bands here well i would say it all started with mama dig down brass band and the young blood brass band both out of madison right and um Mama Dig Down in particular was a big inspiration to me because of the way that they really know, they really dig into the roots of the music and they really respect the tradition and stuff. And now I've gotten to know a bunch of them. Uh, some of them play with my band, um, you know, so uh, it started with them. Uh, and Youngblood is Youngblood Brass Band. If you don't know them, they're fabulous too. A little bit different um, focus. They write a lot of originals and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, they're both amazing. And so they inspire. And then I, like, like I said, in that little bio piece, right, um, I was literally right. This is the first year I moved here, probably the first couple months. I'm riding my bike home from uh, waiting tables or whatever. And all of a sudden, like, you know, I was just riding, you know, back to River West from downtown, essentially driving, riding my bike past Shank Hall. And the door blew open or somebody opened the door and there's this brass band playing. I'm like, what the heck is that? So immediately I parked my bike, locked it up, went inside, right? And I was like, what? And so that really, you know, I was like, I can't believe that. And I think, you know, they're still probably the best non-New Orleans brass band doing New Orleans stuff. Like they really do it right. So they were a inspiration to me. And so now we have us here. Uh, my friend Brett Westfall has his own thing called the Big Style Brass Band. Uh, and then uh, Mike Clothes, another friend of ours, um, Kevin Clemmy. Uh, those guys were doing um, the Hot and Dirty Brass Band, right? Um, even though they have a guitar player. <laughs> but they're a brass band too, um, you know. And so there's a, there's a little community, you know, and all of us kind of share horn players and stuff like that, you know. And so there is a little, you know, there's, I guess, you know, there's a little bit of that and it's really fun. It does definitely connect to other styles of jazz and funk that are played in the city so yeah there's a little bit of a i don't know would you call it a scene i don't know if you'd really call it a scene but you know it's healthy i would say because there's lots of gigs in the summer for this type of band big festival loud band right little funky band with you know the good groove and stuff like that um yeah but in, as far as cities go i think milwaukee 
Milwaukee is a great place to play music and to be a musician because it is affordable and because it's easy to get around. Like you, the two big music, uh, you know, music neighborhoods are what? River West and Bayview, probably. Probably, they're not, yeah. They're not even that far from each other, right? But like, there's a lot of musicians here in River West. I know tons of my neighbors. So it's a really great, you know, and then you have the little clubs in River West and stuff. And so it's a great place because it's 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 cheap and it's easy to live here. And I think the the you know, the rock scene is very, very diverse, I think, and pretty healthy. I, it definitely was before COVID. I don't see as much of it anymore. Um, I'm sure it's coming back. But, um, you know, the Latin music scene on the South Side with the Mexican bands and the Puerto Rican bands and stuff, like, that is a real unheralded and untalked about part of the Milwaukee scene, because that's very vibrant and very, very, very happening on the south side it never gets talked about right but that is fabulous too i take some inspiration from that just from former students i've taught right i used to be a high school teacher and i used to teach on the south side as a bilingual teacher and i met these musical families and these musical kids it was amazing so living here is a cheap place it's easy to get around it's cheap for studios blah 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 like you know my brother who uh is a musician lives in austin texas now and dare I say that that town is like ruined for musicians. It is so expensive. No one can even live there. And my brother said like people are moving. So the musicians that used to inhabit Austin live like 40, 50 miles in like down the road in San Angelo, Texas or San Marcos, I think it's called. And no one can live there anymore. It's too expensive. A little bit of the same thing happened in New Orleans post Katrina. It is more difficult, especially for, you know, the African-American musicians who are the heartbeat of that city and of that brass band tradition. Now they live in Kenner, although they live across the river in Algiers. Like, I, you know, St. Thomas Projects was raised to the ground and now there's condos there. So it's like some of the neighborhoods post-Katrina got completely gentrified and it's way more expensive there. So I feel like Milwaukee is like, New Orleans was in the 90s. People forget in the 90s, people talked about New Orleans and Gary, Indiana in the same breath, right? They really did. It was seen, and I mean, living there, it was a completely other story because it was just so lovely to live there. It was still super cheap. And it was just, you know, the greatest place ever. It still is, I think. But um, so there's where, the, I think those are the similarities. It's a nice, Milwaukee is a really nice place to play music. In fact, you know, in River West, we just experienced this really rare thing called Milwaukee brain gain. I met, I met a Western swing musician from Texas, from Austin, who moved to River West. He's like, oh. uh, he's getting too dang expensive in Austin. So I moved up here, you know, and, that, and I was like, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's cool. I honestly, I, I can relate, um, not necessarily with musicians, but, um, you know, part of my work is, is with, uh, is with startup founders. Um, and, and there are people who are choosing to come to Milwaukee for the very same reason. Like it's, it's cheaper, it's affordable. We, we actually have all the seasons. Um, it's not crowded. Um, you know, I think Milwaukee punches above its weight in the food scene as well. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, lots of great things here for, for people of all kinds. Um, but especially musicians. And I often frequent those River West clubs that you're there speaking you of. Uh, it's amazing. I, I have, uh, I keep a list in my, in my phone of all the live music that I see. Um, and I pop it out when I'm going to a show and I, you know, taken down notes and, you know, link into their, you know, websites and Instagram pages and things like that. And my friends are looking over my shoulder, like, 
what is this? And I, they're like, I'm scrolling through this list, you know, and they're like, holy cow, you see so much, so much music. And I was like, yeah, and there's not a lot of repeats on here. Like you can, you can go to music two, three times a week for a whole year and, and, in, in Milwaukee and, and, and meet, a you know, be introduced to a new musician, a new band probably every week, you know, it's just always learning about, uh, um, new bands and new musicians. So, so tell me how, you know, Milwaukee has this culture also of being incredibly warm and friendly and people, you know, will just walk up to you and make conversation, which I think is, um, you know, it's, it's pretty normal for us here, but you know, when I talk to people who are not from here, that's the first thing they mention is that, oh man, people are so nice and they're interested in who I am and my story and all of that. So was there any of that type of culture that was the kind of the, the, the impetus for you finding, you know, the rest of your bandmates, or did you have those relationships prior or just kind of tell me some stories of how you met these guys? Yeah, it evolved over time. Um, so before taking up the trombone, uh, I'm still a guitar player and I was getting into jazz and stuff, the traditional jazz, right? Uh, 30s, 30s jazz. And some of my friends played like jazz fiddle, like Ben Kelsby, he doesn't live here anymore. So we started a couple things that were very swing oriented. He moved out of town and I'm like, I just kept going and uh, adding some more horns here. And then all of a sudden in my band, I had a horn section and we were playing jazz souls and stuff like that. And then I was like, you know, one day it was probably 2010. I'm like, I'm just, um, I'm just going to try to go full brass band because that's what I wanted to do. Right. And yeah. So I was a teacher in Milwaukee public schools and I was teaching at this small bilingual school on the South side. And it was a very small sort of teacher run school. And, um, uh, we were so short on staff that they needed somebody to teach bands. And I'm like, all right, I'll teach band. All right, kids, what do you want to learn? And they, you know, there's some mariachi type kids and they're like, we want, so, so I ordered the trumpets and the trombones for them. And I'm like, all right, I got to give these guys lessons. So I like turned to page one of the, of, you know, the very first trombone book. Like I got to teach these kids tomorrow in the little trombone section thingy. So I'm like, all right, let me just do this. And I like, I blew, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And so I was like, I just kept going and just like playing the trombone and playing. So I played for a couple of years teaching those guys and running the band at this uh, advanced language and academic studies high school, it was called, and running the band there and then playing the trombone and stuff. I was like, I'm going to keep going. And how was it? We just kind of, you know, I, I put a sign up in the UW Milwaukee Music Department looking for brass band drummers and Kevin Casey Christensen. One of my running partners, he answered, and he's been the snare drum ever since, you know, and so adding him, uh, Troy Leisman has been around since the beginning. He's a, you know, stalwart sax player here in town, um, meeting Rob Seeger on tuba. He had a lot of experience playing brass band tuba in a band in Minneapolis. He, got, he took a job with Coles or something over here. And he was in the, he was a gopher. So he was in the marching band, you know, and he played with him. I can't remember the name of his brass band in Minneapolis, but he came and he was like a very key, very key piece, very key piece. He was experienced. He's like, you gotta, you gotta do it this way and you gotta do it this way. And so he kind of helped us whip, whip us into shape. We added Robert Awi 
and Rob Awi is really conversant with the tradition as well. The rest of us committed to learn. It evolved over time. I think we had uh, Rob Seeger, the tuba player, in place by 2011 or 2012, about a year in. And that just really, it was, you know, serendipity really meeting kind of the right, the right people. Um, and so one by one, it just kind of took shape. And there's, I think, a lot of luck and a lot of chance involved, right? Getting these people. And, um, you know, thanks again to uh, Mama Dig Down's Brass Band, who was an inspiration. I emailed Rock, who's their leader. I said, hey, or I saw him, I think, when they were playing somewhere down in a, he said, yeah, I do know a tuba player. You should get in touch with this guy, Rob Seeger. So it was just like luck and networking, I suppose you'd say. But um, yeah, we, you know, and then having other you know, really good players over the years has really helped us. Um, Joe Goltz, fabulous. Matt McIntosh, fabulous. All these people over the years who, like, you know, one of my philosophies is play with people that are better than you. Mm-hmm. And really play with people that are better than you. And, um, and that's, I think, really helped the band. So that's awesome. Yeah. And I think there's a, always a lot of luck and serendipity involved in any sort of creative pursuit. Um, and, uh, because people in, you know, Milwaukee are so open and welcoming and inviting and just kind of, um, especially musicians, like you, you it, it's a reinforcement of that luck and serendipity, but on the flip side, it, it, it can't all be like, you know, uh, rainbows and unicorns, as they say, there have been challenges, I'm sure over the, the now 10 year plus journey of, extra crispy brass band and and just your journey as a musician are there are there particular challenges um that have continued to to surface or any specific challenges that you can recall over the course of your career that you know just really kind of set you back or you had to really work hard or think hard to kind of get past those what, what were some of those challenges well you know what's carried over from covid right is this uh so we're an eight person band and um, it's, re- it's really hard to get everybody in one place at one time. So like, you know, just even finding time to rehearse is a challenge. And we're at the end of our summer shows. So we're gonna probably start, you know, getting together in my basement. That's where I have a studio. Um, again, you know, and just to, trying to find the time to get that in, you know, so uh, we have, you know, it's like a lot of young fathers in the band right now, you know? And so it's like, they're trying to maybe juggle jobs and raising a young family and keeping that together and then playing as well. So like balancing all those things is very uh, important, I would say, to keep us going, right? Um, You know, a lot of people in my band, their stage in life, we can't really tour across the country. We'd love to, right? But it's just like, you know, a lot of, you know, my daughters are older now, they're in college or, or almost out of college. So I have the luxury of having a lot of freedom and time on my hands. Most of the guys in the bands have young families, right? Only a couple of them don't have kids yet. So that so that's that's a challenge, right? Uh, and so how do you maintain, how do you maintain uh, inspiration uh, during that, right? Or how do you keep moving forward, right? How do you keep writing songs and stuff like that? And so that's a challenge, right? It is a challenge sometimes. I found it to be an enormous challenge during COVID. Like I fell off. I didn't pick up my trombone because trombone practice is a very solitary thing, right? I just rather pick up my guitar. You can sing, you can play, you can accompany yourself, right? So I played a lot of guitar, not a lot of trombone. So man, I had to get my chops into shape really quick 
quick before those shows. And, you know, it took a long time to get them into shape and they're probably just barely, barely coming back into shape like they were before COVID. Right. So COVID was a wrench into the works. Um, you know, I'd say the biggest challenge is finding that balance. Um, if it was up to me, you know, we'd be playing, <laughs> you know, four times a week all year round, but we can't, we turn a lot of things down because like, we just can't, we can't, you know, everybody can't do that. So um, I guess finding that balance is, is the challenge. Yeah. I, would you say that like that is, you know, one of, if not like the greatest lesson that you've learned in your career, or is there something else that kind of comes to mind in terms of, Oh boy, I'm really glad I went through that experience or, you know, I spoke with that person because that was a, a, a great piece of advice or it was a great challenge to overcome. And it, and it taught me something that I now kind of lean on as, as my career progresses. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess, I mean, you know, one of the challenges, I, I guess, you know, sometimes you'll get called out in, a, in, a, in respectful ways by even fellow band members, like, you know, step it up. If it's, you know, okay, you got to sit with the recordings. You got to learn these better. You got to learn your parts better. Um, I guess that is something I've learned. It's because I, I, I respect that too. I respect the guys that I play with. And so, um, you know, it's not often that we have an off gig, especially like, I think like at the end of our summer on we're tight right now and having a great time. It's like, you can almost put it on autopilot and just tee up these tunes. And, you know, like early in our run, we had a couple of rocky moments and I remember, <laughs> you know, like um, being challenged by eh, one of my bandmates, you know, and, and um, but, you know, whatever, you know, you can't take it personal and you just gotta, gotta go, gotta go recommit yourself, I guess, you know? So, I mean, I guess that's what I've learned. I'm, I'm open, I'm open to criticism and I think we all are. And that's how you stay fresh, I think. Right. And, and, and that's how you grow, I guess. Right. So, um, and we're still talking we still talk amongst ourselves as a band, you know, we got to write more, we got to do this. Let's a, let's think about this coming up. So there's a vision there, right? Yeah, so, mm -hmm. totally. When you, when you, uh, find yourself kind of uh, interfacing with um with younger or less experienced you know working musicians is there uh, a piece of advice or two that that you always kind of pass along that that you know you learned the hard way and uh you know my only thing and I'm not styling myself as the you know the the elder here at all but <laughs> just do what you love find what you love and do what you love and who cares what everybody else is doing right and that's the that's the way you're going to make the best music, right? Is just do do what you love to do. Who cares what everybody else is doing? And you know, just find what you love and do it as best as you can, right? And so, what I, I don't care if you're into punk, if you're into emo, if you want to be the next Kenny G. I mean, I don't care. Just do do what you love, right? And that's the way you're going to find uh, you know find out really uh, you know where you're at. Yeah, that's great advice. And it's applicable to everything in life, not not just music, but uh, great advice for sure. So do you have a kind of a, a ballpark number on how many how many gigs ex, Extra Crispy Bass, Brass Band has played? I lost. It's got to be four or five hundred, five hundred gigs. Somewhere wow. around there. I, I, count, I was counting on my Google calendar, but I stopped doing that a few years ago. It's got to be around 500. Gotcha. Like yeah. Is any of those gigs stand out as like your your favorites? And if so, why? 
You know what? Every gig is so awesome because every gig is different. And that's what's so fun about playing live. You're going to play a different solo every single time. That's what's so fun about improvisation, right? Um, so several gigs have stood out. Well, like the, the first one, the first steady gig um, at, at the Uptowner was really important because those are low pressure gigs where you can try stuff out, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the first time we ever played Bastille Days, it wasn't on the main stage, but we got that. I think we were only around for a year or two. So that was a big shock to us. And, uh, you know, really, really fun. And we're like, wait, hey, we could do this, you know. Um, so there's been, you know, you know, playing the main stage is fun. I guess opening for Trombone Shorty was probably pretty fun. And oh, yeah. Turner Hall Ballroom, that was fun. Um, so... Yeah, there's been all kinds of ones. The real spontaneous ones are fun. We had one in West Bend where uh, we were on the main stage at one of their things up there, and it got rained out. And they're like, "All right, boys, it's it, you guys can go home." We're like, "Forget this, man." We 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 came out of the trailer with our horns, and we went we went into the pavilion. Everybody was packed in the pavilion because it was raining, and so we just like started playing, and it was like it was so awesome. Like people had the greatest time. Um. You know, but I would say like anytime you're playing, it's it when 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 we're when we're firing on all cylinders, it's it's just it's really fun. It's a because playing live music and improvising is just really fun, right? Yeah, it sounds like you might uh, play a, a host of your shows during the summer, um, which I'm sure most of, uh, if not all, are outdoors. Do you prefer like an indoor venue or an outdoor venue, or doesn't doesn't really matter? Well, you know, sometimes playing horn is real tough with super humid or something like that, you know, so there, there's always a wild card element too. Or if let's say this, you're playing uh, at sunset and the stage is facing west <laughs> and you're covered with sweat, you can't even see out of your eyes. You know, it's a little bit easier to play inside, but who are we to complain if someone wants to give us, uh, you know, a gig at some festival, right? I mean, like, we, you know, um, so yeah. Awesome. Right. Yeah. It bothers some guys in the band more than me. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so with with uh, with one a show coming up here on September nineteenth uh, uh, with the music on the beer line series. Sixteenth, um, right? Is it? Yeah, I think it is the sixteenth. Right. Did I say nineteenth? My my apologies. Um, so yeah, September sixteenth, music on the beer line series. It's a Riverworks Development Corp uh, kind of initiative. Um, Tell me about uh, about the series and what you know about it and how you got how you got into it and well, I tell you what it's like down the bike path from my house so it's oh. because it's like I don't even know like well they do they do have these awesome little placards they put up around the neighborhood but then I'm also like oh wait I hear a band I can go walk down there right so it's really fun you know my friends. Um, in De La Buena were playing like a couple years ago, stuff like that. You can just walk down and see them playing. Um, so it's really fun. It's very, it's just neighborly. I'm, I'm really glad they're doing it to get the neighborhood together, right? Cause this is such a fabulous neighborhood, uh, but like anywhere in Milwaukee, we need to make sure that we care about it. Right. And that we, you know, and that we, that we look out for each other and stuff like that. Right. Um, that's why the neighborhood is so good because people care about river West. And I think this music on the beer line, I know river, the beer line goes beyond river West. Right. But, um, you know, it's important to me because it's, it's, it, it really supports the neighborhood. And I think everybody that lives here, we, we understand living here in Milwaukee that we have to, 
you know, we have to care about it because if nobody cares about it, then it's it's not going to be as great as it great as it is. There's a lot of people that do care about the neighborhood here, and that's what's so great. Yeah, I I, I always when I talk about Milwaukee with folks who who aren't familiar, um, you know, one of the first things I, I bring their attention to is just like kind of the very distinct neighborhoods in 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 Milwaukee and how there's a kind of umbrella culture that is that Wisconsin nice. Uh, each neighborhood has its own distinct culture as well, um, and it draws distinct types of people to those neighborhoods. Um, and I've always enjoyed my time in River West. I, I find it like most of the things that I uh, that I attend in River West, I don't hear about until like the day before or the day of. Um, it seems like even the Center Street days uh, a few weeks back, you know, um, I was like, holy cow, this is awesome. Like, why have I never heard about this before? And like, I go on Facebook and, you know, there's it's just kind of a River West style of promoting things that happen in River West. It's very word of mouth, very kind of grassroots. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure that the beer line series is that way as well. Um, have you, you've, you've attended, it sounds like you've attended shows there, um, on on, with that series. Tell me what, like, I've actually, I'm not exactly familiar where on the path, uh, the show is going to be. Can you, can you explain to me and to the listeners just kind of what the venue is? Yeah. The venue is right. It'd be on the East side of Holton. Technically what's that between. I'm thinking here, Concordia and Townshend, and you'll see it if you drive on. Uh, if you drive in north on, on Holton, it'll be on your right, which is the east side. And there's like an old shipping container that they've paid. They they have painted these funky colors. That's the stage. And so if it's like the other times, you know, there'll be tents and there'll be fucking there'll, there'll be food trucks. Excuse me, there'll be food trucks, um, things like that. You know, and uh, it's just fun. Uh, Cause you can walk up and down the path. You can come on your bike. You can come walking. Um, and you know, the neighborhood is turns out. And so, you know, it's early on a Friday. What's not to like, right? Sure. Like, yeah. So uh, it's just fun. You'll see all your friends, you see all your neighbors, right? I mean, I'm sure I'll see all of mine there. Um, yeah. So. And uh, ECBB, um, I'm sure that your shows are ones that uh, that often get people out of their chairs and onto their feet and bouncing around and dancing. Uh, is that that's a pretty regular uh, occurrence? I'm sure at your gigs. Pretty much, yep. <laughs> and so there's plenty of room there um, on oh, the yeah. beer line at the beer line venue for for dancing and and all kinds of things, huh? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so. Let's dive into um, the song that you picked to to share with us, Sherman Boulevard. You said it's a, it's an original. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the? Tell me the inspiration behind the song and um, sure. just how it came to be. Right. Um, it is an instrumental. Um, like a lot of brass band tunes are instrumentals. Um, well, you know, it goes back to the Sherman. Park uprising, if you remember, mm-hmm. a young man was shot by the police. Um, it so happened that uh, I was watching this on TV. I was in a hotel room after a gig in Watertown, and I know my older daughter was driving my younger daughter through pretty much Sherman Park at that time. And I remember I was just really freaked out about the whole thing and I and my daughters were safe I found from my wife and so it was all good but I still you know was watching all these disturbing events you know and then um I guess 
reading about it and seeing the media about it in the week or so after and the way I think that Sherman Park was painted as this bad place. And I know, sure, it has its problems like lots of neighborhoods in Milwaukee, but I have lots of friends there, uh, you know, ex, you know, teacher friends and some of my students had lived there. And I just, and I thought like, I, I didn't like the fact that the, you, we had this really negative, in the discourse, there's just very negative, negative words being said about Sherman Boulevard and the way that Sheriff Clark afterwards, you know, put those stupid snow fences up and stuff like that, you know, it's like, and so basically the vibe in the song is supposed to be this sort of really mellow summertime vibe, like, you know, just like, it's supposed to make you feel good. And that was like my our statement to say and to name it Sherman Boulevard is just to remind people of the beautiful and, and lovely and the wonderful people that live in that neighborhood, you know, sort of contrary to all these images that were being bandied about in the media. So that's how that song came to be. And so I wrote, I wrote the chord progression in the main melody and then Tim Holdman, our trumpet player wrote the bridge. And so it was kind of a collaboration. And of course the band, we were, we worked it on in rehearsal too, you know, so the band definitely had input, you know, but um, so that's kind of the story behind the song. And so that's kind of how we introduce it as well, that it doesn't have words, it doesn't have political words, but it has a good vibe we feel to it that we wanted to communicate and sort of dedicate to Sherman Park. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Like, do you do you often tell that story, you know, on stage when before you play the song? Yeah, we we you know, it's a fine line between talking too much and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. We've we've said that a couple times. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Will it be on the set list uh, for, the, sure. for the for the beer line show? Sure, sure. Cool. Yeah, that's great. Um, so now you said it's original, um, but you know, I've been listening to your stuff all morning on Spotify, and you know, there's. There's a good, good, a good portion of covers in there as well. Like, where, where's the split? Do you? Do yeah. You... So our second album, all, every single one was an original except a version of um, a Michael Jackson song. That's it's a brass band version. Uh, our trumpet, Rob Owie, our trumpeter. It's his friend, I think, that actually did that arrangement. It was kind of a cool arrangement. Uh, take that. Um, um, I can't remember which one it is now. Um, to beat it? No. No, um, I can't remember why. Because I'm it. almost certain I heard it right. this morning. <laughs> Billy Jean. Yes, thank you. Um, and so that's the, and then the other, every other one was original. So we made up. We made a um, made an effort to write tunes for that one, you know. And on the first uh, album, few originals too, and a couple written by our drummer Casey Christensen. Really good. Actually, we're, we need to dust those off. We need it. That's part of not being able to rehearse, right? It's like sure. you know, some of these deep cuts. We they they get out of the rotation, but. Um, yeah, the first one more is about kind of like the brass band canon a little bit, and the second one was like we wanted to write our own tunes, and so that's where that comes from. Um, yeah, ne next one that we do, I don't know if we'll just release like uh, you know we were thinking about like. Um, you know, we're just doing two songs at a time and releasing singles or something. We don't know the direction, but we'll figure that all out this fall after the shows are done for the summer. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So um, winding down here, Greg, um, I always ask my my guests the same question at the end, and it's a tough one. So um, I, I always I connect with musicians um, because of who they are as people and like the the, the people 
the musicians that I tend to become friends with are the ones that I that, whose music I follow. Uh, I think just connection is is so important to me, and I think it's super important in in music in general. Um, you know, especially in Wisconsin, we like having friends and we like supporting our friends. And uh, I've been introduced to so many new genres of music just because I was introduced to the person who was making it, and you know. Um, and so there's gratitude to those experiences. But uh, so the question is, um, and I, you, you can answer this however you'd like, whether it be just about you, Greg Kramer, the musician, or, or the band itself. Uh, when people think of, of you, what do you want them to know? Like, what do you want them to, to know about you, the musician, or the band itself? Like, what can they expect? Well, you know, I've thought a fair amount of this and, and, it's taken me a long time to figure out like why. So this is about the band, right? And like why, um, like why you know when we're when we're at our in our best moments, why we're connecting and you know, and so trying to figure it out and think like you know if there's one thing that we can do um, that we want to do, uh, you know, because we are playing this m- music that's rooted in New Orleans and there's a traditional in there. If we can sort of communicate the joy of that music, right? To the listeners, if we can make them feel the joy, because that's what is it is about. A lot of it, not all of it, that's what, but but if, if we can make them feel that, that's what I want them to feel. So we can consider it our sort of, you know, mission accomplished if people are having an awesome time and they're tapping their toes and they're dancing. So many people have said, you know, um, I really don't like jazz at all, but I, I, I kind of liked that. You know, we get comments like that and not that brass band is exactly jazz. It's very jazz influenced or you want to call it jazz adjacent, but you know, where it's like, I didn't know it can be so fun, you know, or I just want people to learn, sort of feel that. And so I think that's probably what, you know, I would want them to, to feel or to take away, right? In terms of if we've done that as a band, we've like done our job. Yeah, that's awesome and beautiful. I love that because connection and, 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 you know, someone actually feeling the music is, is so important. Uh, I know that's how I fell in love with live music. You, you know, you, you see a great band and that you just have a different experience consuming music than what you can have, you know, just listening to your headphones or, you know, recorded stuff or anything like that. Um, and it's a feeling that I'll never forget. And I'm always chasing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so in addition to your, your gig um, on the beer line trail, what, what do you, what do you have coming up here the rest of the summer? Oh boy. Let me look at my calendar. So we got, um, got a bunch of stuff. Uh, so it's the 29th today. This rhythm. So uh well, we got a wedding at the Wisconsin Club on Saturday the 3rd. On the 10th, we 1 p.m. at the Shorewood Fest, 8:30 p.m. at the Tosa Fest, 16th at the Beer Line, then down in Chicago, Ravinia Brew Fest on the 30th of September, October 1st, Straight Shots Block Party in Bayview there, and then in Mequon Public Market, October seventh and then we finally slow down and uh, after that hopefully we'll find uh we'll, we'll get back to a monthly gig like we did at the uptowner and like we did at the jazz estate where we had a monthly and that keeps us 
hopefully fresh and, and, and we demo new stuff throughout the winter. So we're looking for that. And we're also, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, hopefully one of those will come up. Awesome, man. That's great. Well, um, just one more time, I will uh, plug the Music on the Beer Line series uh, brought to you by Riverworks Development Corp. Uh, there is one night left of that. They had a show in July, a show in August, and the one in September is on September 16th. Uh, and, and Extra Crispy Brass Band will be there, as well as The Erotic Adventures of Static Chicken. Uh, do, do, do you do you know that band? Have you have you have you shared a set before or share, shared a bill before? I know them, of course. Yeah, it should be Matt Turner and 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 Aaron, I believe. Um, <laughs> a couple, yeah, uh, they're fabulous, right? Yeah, so they're 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 institution at the Jazz Estate too. I think they started even playing again, like their Tuesday night shows. I could be wrong, but you know they're a complete Milwaukee institution. So that's awesome. Yeah, so that's uh, that shows Friday, September sixteenth. Uh, I believe it goes from five to eight p.m. And as you uh, so so well described, um, the, the plaza there, it's at th 3350 North Holton Street. Um, so, yeah, you can find more information at riverworksmke.org slash music beer line. Um, Greg, this is a great conversation. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. I love uh, you. You are by you are definitely the first brass player that I've interviewed on this podcast. And uh, listening to your stuff uh, this morning while I work has uh, has intrigued me uh, to to dive a bit deeper into uh, the brass genre. So uh, so thank you for that as well as your time and your stories today. It's been awesome. Um, good luck uh, on at the beer line show, my man. Okay. Thanks a lot, Nick. I hope to see you soon out. Will do, man. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, take care now.
Thanks for listening to the Musician's Venture Podcast. Please leave ratings and reviews from wherever you're listening from. Check us out online at themusiciansventure.com for more information on what we have happening, to find past episodes, and ways to get in touch with us. Find us on social media at The Musician's Venture on Facebook and Instagram, and at Musician Venture on Twitter. Like and follow us on all those platforms, and hey, while you're there, engage with and share our content with your friends. The Musician's Venture Podcast is hosted by me, Nick O'Brien, with guest host appearances from Allison M. The podcast is produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>